Before we start this week's episode, a warning. You are about to hear some very bad Sean Connery impersonations. The Memory Distillery would like to apologize in advance for your listening discomfort. Now, shit back, pour yourself a martini. Shaken, not starred, and enjoy the show. Your story. Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Bernary. And I'm John Deck. And each week we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. And on this week's episode... Are you sure you're ready for this? I'll do my best. Your best? Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Carla was the prom queen. Really? Yeah. That's right, we are watching The Rock <laughs> from 1996, directed by Michael Bay. John, mm. this is the one where Nick Cage steals the Declaration of Independence, right? It might as well be. Um, all I know nope. is so, somehow, somehow this is our first Sean Connery movie. <laughs> it is. Actually, you know, coincidentally, it's also our first Nick Cage movie, I think. Uh, wow. But more importantly, it's our first Sean Connery movie. And what a movie to go in on, Sean. Uh, one that we don't remember all that well. <laughs> I, I really don't. I have to say, I mean, I've seen, I don't know how many action movies that are either bad, good, great, or somewhere in the middle. And, and this is one of them. <laughs> but uh, yep. this we, we uh, are in the, the summer blockbuster series. And this was one that kept coming up on our Facebook page. I did the counts, I ran the tallies, and we have quite a few people who want us uh, to do The Rock, and we are doing The Rock. We're making it happen. That indeed we are. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's been, honestly, it might even be like 1996 since I've seen this. Like, when it came out might be the last time that I saw this. Uh, I know it did, uh, like, gangbusters as far as, like, the action movie crowd goes, and it's, it's very highly renowned. I just never like never got around to watching it multiple times. Um, I have a vague recollection of the plot, the most uh, I guess prevalent part of this being the the aforementioned prom queen quote, uh, prom queen quote. But yeah, um, I don't know how much we even have to talk about in the front part of this episode. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel what we've got is Sean Connery, which for me is a big plus. We have Nicolas Cage, which is a horrible, horrible thing to experience no matter what. And then you have, like, Ed Harris is in it, I remember. Like, I'm assuming yep. he he was running. He's, he's the bad guy. Like, he's running the Truman Show, so you don't know if he's good or bad guy. <laughs> but like you you figure that out and then it's got uh what's his face from scrubs is in it in a small part so that's 
That's about all you really need to know, I think. I mean, uh, probably, yeah. I mean, there's, there's not. I know it takes place on Alcatraz, or, or uh, that's a part of it. They have to like break in right. or something, and like, or, I mean, either that or this is like a movie where they're going up against Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and we just don't remember that part of it. I mean, I think there's a very, very strong possibility that's going to come up when we after we watch it, but <laughs> I, it's it, like all of a sudden. I'm I'm not looking at anything online. I'm not consulting any references, but I have a flood of memories now that I think I think like Sean Connery is like recruited because he's like the only man to break out of Alcatraz, maybe, and like Nick Cage is like some kind of expert on um not viruses but like biological weapons or something. And they, yeah, it, I mean, it's that sounds about right. But let's be one hundred percent honest here. Have you? ever seen a michael bay movie where afterwards you're just like well let's really kind of break down the plot and talk about how good you know they did at writing this like like that's that's not that's not what we're here for well no you you go to a michael bay movie to see explosions and gunfights i mean so i guess that's what that's what we have to look forward to um and, and and you know what like i was before we were doing back to the future i was worried that I was going to, you know, watch that movie and come back and be kind of like, meh, it was all right, but not that great. Now I have no concerns. <laughs> See, I do have concerns. I'm afraid I'm going to come back and be like, oh, wow, this is a masterpiece. And, you know, we, we've been sleeping on this movie for the past 24 years. I don't think that that's a high possibility, but that's about as high as my expectations can get is See, the vague possibility that that might happen. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of being wrong. I'd be happy <laughs> if it <laughs> happened. So I'm not afraid of that at all. Bring it on. I say, uh, cool. So we're going to, Oh wait, hold on. Breaking news, breaking news, everyone. We have breaking news here on the memory distillery. Apparently a completely unrelated to this film. Nicholas Cage is going to play Joe exotic in a dramatization of the life of Joe exotic. <sighs> uh, which Nick Cage is just taking every job he can get, I guess. Uh, this is pretty. This is a new low, I think, for Nicolas Cage. No, it's uh, no, it's not. <laughs> if you're if you're as familiar <laughs> with his film catalog as I am, it's not. It is not. Don't worry. Okay, well, we'll find out eventually. I'm sure because we're all going to end up watching it because that's what the world's done to us now. Thanks, COVID. Uh, anyhow, we are going to go and watch this movie. The Rock is not currently streaming for free anywhere, so if you want to watch it, you're going to have to grab it on one of the streaming rental services like Google Play or uh, you know, iTunes or, or what have you. Uh, or if you have it in your personal library, you can go ahead and watch it there. And when we come back, we are talking about The Rock. John, are you ready? Of course. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm an agent with the uh, um, f- federal, uh, the FBI. Uh, well, my, I- I'm Stanley Goodspeed. But of course you are. Of course I am. Huh. And you have an emergency. That's right. And you need my help. Exactly right. Coffee. No, no, I'm fine. Thank you. 
offer me coffee. Oh, yes. Well, that was, in fact, going to be my next. Can, can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Uh, as you just heard, we were just listening to a, a perfect recitation of the scene that we just did. I think it's amazing rock. how you like cleaned up the audio so you heard no other noises, just the voices of Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery to their perfection. That was that's impressive. Good job. Yeah, I mean, I've been honing my skills as as an editor and a producer, so I, I think that I, I did an okay job there. Uh, let's jump right into this because there's there's a bit we need to talk about. Mm. Um, first things first, I want to get your take. How 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 did you enjoy this or did you enjoy this movie i guess how much did you enjoy this movie <laughs> that's a loaded question how much did i enjoy this movie <laughs> well i have to say it's not at all the worst movie i've ever seen in my life so that's a relief you know that that's was, fair that's a lot of fun it, it had a lot of the traditional hallmarks of what you'd expect from a michael bay movie uh and and that's kind of fun in a way it's almost like your own built-in drinking game to to experience a movie with (laughs) but uh i'd say my enjoyment level was uh, middling at best it kind of hovered around the area of checking the time to see how much how many more minutes are in the movie and then going oh this is another one of those really long action movies (laughs) that's that's not going to be over in a few minutes i had that moment too like i got I got up to go walk the dogs at like 9.30 and there was still almost an hour left in this movie. And I'm like, what the hell? What what part, what story are you trying to tell here that it's taking this long to do? It's like the first movie is where they're trying to convince Sean Connery to help them. And he like, and he breaks away and he... And he you know, plans an escape, and he runs, and they get him, and they all that stuff. That's like its own movie. And then there's the movie where they go to like, you know, go to Alcatraz and go to you know rescue or, or rescue hostages slash save the city of San Francisco. Sure. But then there, and in addition to that, there's some smaller movies like the intro movie, like the heist movie where they steal the the uh, the weaponized gas or whatever that stuff was. Uh, the VX gas, something like that. Yeah, um, VX. And so it's just like, this was like two and a half action movies kind of all shoved together. So it's a bit long and it wasn't amazing. Uh, but, you know, at times it was okay. It was fine. See, this... I had a hard time staying engaged in this movie until like the third act. Like, you have a lot of great action that's happening especially the car chase like that thought that was really cool despite the one-liners that were going on that were kind of unnecessary yeah but you have this sort of two acts of disjointed like you're actually like a, a pretty accurate description would be like almost mini movies within that they're telling these stories that you could almost segment off and and make into their own thing um it's trying its ass off to be interesting when there's just not a whole lot of meat on that bone like it's not much more than a shoot-em-up action flick and michael bay is trying to turn it into something i don't know deep or 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 patriotic or (laughs) send a message or something and he has a tendency to do that it's not every movie like he 
he's sort of hit and miss in that regard. Like you have some some really fun stuff like the Bad Boys films and uh, the Island and you know uh, half a dozen other movies. But then there's there's a bunch of other stuff that he does that you're just like, what am I watching here? When I feel bad, you know who I feel bad for? Aside from us <laughs> and anyone else who watched it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I feel bad for Ed <laughs> Harris because I feel like perhaps he thought he was getting into a far different movie, something way more dramatic and meaningful. And like his acting, like per usual, was great. You know, like he, he but it's like it was so straight and played so for the dramatic tones and the notes to it and just intense. Whereas you know, at least half of the rest of the movie is kind of this playful banter, one-liner, even more than half, you know, kind of action comedy at moments. But then at times it reminds us, oh, but it's really serious and the stakes are high and it kind of goes back and forth. But poor Ed, the whole time, he's just, he's in this, he's like, wow, I might, I don't, I don't want to jinx it, but this might be, you know, Oscar bait. This could be a, you know, this could really, this movie could really win it all. It, it, it sounds like it's going to be really great. And then it's like, oh, and he sees it in the theater and goes, oh, that's that's what they did with it. All right. Well, and because you have like this this stacked deck, really, yeah. of talent. Like you have Ed Harris and Sean Connery and 90s Nicolas Cage and David Morse and William Forsyth and Claire Forlani. Like you have and Tony Todd, like you have this yeah. cast of characters that you can do a whole lot with. And you did. This. Yeah, they did this. And again, it's not a bad movie. It's just not a good one. Like, for me, I could see this being a Sunday, like, background noise. I'm in the middle of, you know, prepping uh, a tri-tip for the smoker. Or I'm I'm just relaxing and, like, trying to chill out or, or whatever. And it's just on in the background. And I, I tune into it every couple of minutes and i know where i'm at because like it's th- that's what this movie is it, there's yeah, but... there's not it's not this deep you know i have to pay attention to everything thing or i'm going to be lost like i know what i'm watching they're trying to stop the bad guy the end and yeah, but the problem is is that that's not the movie they made that's that's not what they were doing with the the raw material and the script and everything like they made a movie that they wanted people to take very seriously like a third of the time. And when you have a movie that sometimes is very serious and deep and meaningful and you want to play it that way and you want to make it, you know, tug on our heartstrings and make it about America and make it about veterans and lives and make it about relationships and marriage and babies and daughters being murdered and killed. And you put in all these heavy things, but then you also want it to be fun and goofy and you want us to chuckle and laugh and forget about our troubles and have an afternoon where we just watch a smash em, beat em up action movie like that that back and forth and the fact that it's like what a two hour and 20 minute movie is just like it it just makes it hard to enjoy and and just let go and have as a fun thing playing in the background at least for me because you keep having these moments where the momentum is put you know downshifted it slows down and it goes into these heavy moments with the big speeches and the 
the president going, and this was the day, it was the most difficult decision I've ever made in my life. And he goes on and on and on about like how <laughs> this big, like his own monologue that I guess he's telling to a staffer before making a phone call, you know, and it's just like, there's all these moments that are just like, if you make bad boys, bad boys is, is what it is. You know, it's, it is a action comedy. It's not. 35 minutes of super serious drama to tell us the importance of the of the you know the stakes and what's going on no yeah it like and uh, bad boys is a great example of that like that's a buddy cop movie yeah it, it gets heavy at moments but it it's not trying to be something that it isn't it's a fucking buddy cop movie at the end of the day that's what you're watching that's what you paid to go and see the rock you paid to go and see this like patriotic you know basically marines versus uh force recon or or or, uh, or or the navy seals or whatever you you ended up with again this <laughs> so like it, it's I, it, it's hard for me to be able to say that yeah i was i was engrossed and i was uh i i i took a lot away from this because all that i took away from it was boom boom explosions yeah, like and, I'm and and Sean Connery's quips, which yeah. he, he had a, he had a few. And to be fair, so did Nick Cage. He had one that I really really liked, and we'll talk about that. But uh, uh the they <laughs> at, at the end of the day, like there's not this movie is what you get when you watch it from start to finish. That's all that you get. There's no deeper meaning to it at all. You know, Rocket Man. That's the one. How could you like that? That's the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> How is that the worst thing you've ever, ever experienced in your life? That was his only good line. That wasn't a good line. That was a horrible line, and it lasted 48 minutes. <laughs> and it may have just felt like time slowed down for me. You, you like Rocket Man? Because you are him. <sighs> oh, my God. That's so horrible. So horrible. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, it was his best line. Well, okay, name one line that he he did better. No, that's that not the game we're playing. <laughs> that is the game we're playing. I just changed the rules. Let's go. Nicholas, What's the best line that he did? When Nicolas Cage is in a movie, you can't play the game, name one thing that was better, because they all are equal. <laughs> I like, I like, I like, you know what I like better than that? Honestly, I like his... Uh, whole like, can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? Yeah, all right, that was pretty good. Like that was probably my favorite part in the movie, was him just being all nervous and being an idiot and like. But that okay, but to be fair, that was him the whole movie. Like I when know. he's not diffusing bombs or like telling Sean Connery not to move or not to shake or not to drop the the poison gas pearl things like. He's a bumbling, stumbling dipshit, and it's great. Well, I'll agree with the first part. I don't know about it being great, but it's the same. It's it's just it's one thing, and it stays that way. I mean, the man's consistent. I'll give him that. He's consistent as anything. He is exactly what he is, and he's playing it, and he's got it, and he's. I mean, he's he's this genius who knows everything uh, about chemical weapons and he just takes one of those little pearl globules and throws it in his pocket before he goes running around because you know that's the smart thing to do with it when you're trying to be safe and he i mean he knows what he's doing so it's it's all good but yeah that delivery 
Rocket Man? Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> mm, no. <sighs> My favorite thing about the movie was probably just I find that after moving away from San Francisco, I love seeing movies set in and around San Francisco. It's just, for some reason, even only living there a couple of years, I really adopted that as a second home for a while, and I just have a, a nice feeling when I see all the different streets and landmarks and where they go, he's going 70 miles an hour in that Hummer. And it's like, no, if he was going 70 miles an hour in that hill, like, no, he's going about 35 and catching about 10 feet of air over every little <laughs> bump. Like, it's like, he's, yeah, that's not happening. But No, yeah, absolutely not. It was still, like, you know, it was fun to see the city and, and be like, oh, yeah, I remember. I Nostalgia. <laughs> you know, I... I even the few times that I've been to San Francisco, I, I like I developed a, a love for it, and I thought that what a unique place to have a car chase scene because usually when you're filming a car chase scene, you see it on a level. It's in a level city, like you know you're not getting a lot of hills and, and blind like you know, especially blind hills like you have in San Francisco where it's like you know going uphill and and you don't know what's there. Uh, that that was. Really, it was uniquely shot and sort of detached from the rest of the movie in a way and not in necessarily a bad way. Like there was one shot that they did where like right after uh, Nick Cage gets out of the the Ferrari and it gets smashed and like he's (laughs) they do that slow motion pan shot. Yeah, around classic. Almost Classic like a John Bay. John Woo kind of thing, but yeah, no, it's, it's don't, very, I wouldn't very even Michael go. Bay. Yeah, that, no, I, it I, is I, very Michael Bay, like especially like the, sort of from down below. Like I'm, I'm picturing very bad boys there too. So, uh, and then, you know the the kid like, oh, they smashed your Ferrari. Like that was very. It wasn't uh, mine. <laughs> it was, but it was very different from the rest of the film. Like when you're, yeah. especially in like the the sort of mounted camera scenes where it's not kind of a handheld steady cam or whatever uh when it's kind of a still shot like you don't get that same feeling yeah uh, like the second unit shot it like it just is a very different feel totally different and in some ways uh, i mean this movie is a a throwback a long time ago but have you seen do you see bullet way back in 60s with Stephen well, Queen. I wasn't alive in the '60s, but well, yeah. Uh, so you didn't I, see it in I, I the '60s? No, I didn't, and I, I haven't seen it since the '60s either. So, okay, that one has like a good San Francisco car chase in it. It's a good car movie, car action movie. Uh, Is that a uh, uh, Burt Reynolds? No, a uh, Steve McQueen. Oh, Steve McQueen. Okay. Um, but yeah, at any rate, that that was some good stuff. That was. Uh, trying to think of anything else positive to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what else in this movie was any well, good? No. I'm just well, so Sean Connery, like yeah. for for better or worse, you have this film, but Sean Connery's in it, and he he does a good job. Like he he's got sort of great charisma. He even develops a little bit of chemistry, not a lot, but a little bit of chemistry uh with Nicolas Cage but he has a a fair number of kind of one-liners one in particular that I thought was great was maybe I'm losing my sex appeal and I just I thought that that was Was that Nicolas Cage that said that? No, no, no. That was uh 
That was Sean Connery. Oh, that was a Sean Connery impression. I oh, it. yeah, I know. My Sean Connery and Nick Cage, they kind of overlap because I'm not good at impressions like you. Yeah, so I'm yeah, I, I have to apologize. I, I forget that not everyone's as brilliant as I am. Right. So, yeah, that's rough. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, the, the maybe I'm losing my sex appeal was good. Uh, he just like he he delivers. And that's something that you could co- sort of consistently say about Sean Connery in anything that he's doing, whether it's James Bond or The Rock or the league of extraordinary gentlemen or whatever like he he delivers he's there to do a job and he does it and he does it well regardless yeah. of what the rest of the cast or the director or anybody else is doing like I, yeah, he's I've, there and he's doing it i found with sean connery i mean i i mean i'm a, I'm a big fan um but i'm not a fan what because, i didn't know that but it's not it's not because he has this huge range or that he's the most amazing actor ever but he has charisma and he I mean, that's why he was the the best James Bond. Yes, out of all of them, he was the best. And there's no one that is close to being the best. And I don't have to argue with you. You know that. But, like, other people don't understand that sometimes. And I can't understand why. But, like, it's not because he's the the best actor or the best fighter or the best, you know, whatever you want to fill in the best. It's just that he has a certain gravitas. He has a certain smooth charm. Like, he's just very likable. Uh, in my opinion, even when he's playing quote unquote bad guys and like, so he, he shows up and he does his thing. I have no problem with him in this movie. He does exactly, you know, as, as you might, as one might hope, uh, he delivers. So that wasn't the problem with this movie. And like, like I said with Ed Harris as well, it wasn't Ed Harris. Oh, geez. Well, they should have gotten someone who can act. And then this movie would have been good. It's like, no, he, he did great. He's an a great actor and did a great performance with what he was given. He just didn't understand that he was in a different movie than everyone else. Well, okay. So let's break it down then by, by actor, because maybe that's where we're kind of missing something. Nope. So, well, hold on. Don't, 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 don't just nope me. Like, let's, let's look at this. Cause we have yep. time to kill here. So <laughs> you've got Sean Connery. <laughs> Sean Connery, no brainer. He's he's totally fine. Nicolas Cage, eh. Ed Harris, totally fine. You're not having a problem there. Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage. They knew they were getting. He delivers his himself. He's not a problem. He is here for this role, and he plays it to whatever extent he's able. Okay, fine. John Spencer as Womack. Great. No, no yep. problems there. No problem. I have no problem with him. David Morse as, as Major Baxter. No problems there at all. I love David Morse anyway. William Forsythe, kind of a B-movie guy, but you see him in some A-list stuff. Again, not a problem there. Uh, John C. McGinley, love him in Scrubs. I love him in pretty much anything that he does, so I'm going to say he's probably not the problem. Tony Todd, another guy who's really B-movie driven. Usually more on the horror side from what I've seen. Uh, love him as Candyman. Uh, he's, he's in the upcoming Candyman in like a cameo uh, cameo spot. Uh, probably not the problem there. I well, mean, no, 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 no. I think I think you're starting to hit where I think some of the problem some of the problem lies. And again, not that it's necessarily the actors' problems, but when we combine these actors with this script, I think some of the supporting cast part of the problem is it's hard to really discern their motivation. Because at times, they're like this patriotic group of people following Ed Harris. At times, 
they have that kind of mercenary quality. But at times they're like straight up psychopaths who just want to murder. Like See, not, I, it's it's I, so crazy to me. Especially in the Tony Todd camp, I have to disagree. And here's why. Tony Todd and was it one or two other guys who, who sort of came onto that squad kind of last minute when they were introducing everyone in that. In, in Ed Harris's camp and saying, okay, and we have these guys, by the way, Tony Todd and the other guy, the other two guys or whatever it is. Um, there, There's no mistake when you look at these guys and look into their eyes, like, okay, we're here because like, we're getting paid for this. Like we, we saw the million dollar check and said, okay, you know, let's, let's do this. So you know, what's coming with them. They telegraph the shit out of that. Like that's, that, there's no question there. Well, let me ask this real quick in response to that. Do you think that this was a problem with the movie and the script? Like, or do you think it was a, a problem with how I perceived how things unfolded? Because once once they kill, like, Ed Harris and once that goes down, like, what is their motivation when they're like, say, we want our money. Who do you, do you think Nicolas Cage has it in his pocket? Like, why? <laughs> why do you think now you think if you finish the mission and fire these missiles you'll get paid that was never the point it wasn't a contract of you get paid if we fire missiles that wasn't the point so they even if they had a chance to bargain and stuff they've killed ed harris who was in charge of everything now they want to launch these missiles but they're about to get destroyed and all their focus is we've got to murder these people and chase them across everything and oh it just drove me crazy well, no, sorry, make no mistake. I'm not saying that they weren't psychopaths and I'm not saying that they weren't, you know, I- I- improperly driven. I'm saying that you knew what you were getting right out of the gate with them. Yeah, so, I guess that's true. And, and, and like, again, Tony Todd and the other two guys, they played their part. They well, yeah, did to give, to give them their they credit, were, you're right. Yeah. They, they, they saw the script and they said, okay, I can do this. And they did it. And they did it You're to right. a T. So there's a big line between is, is, like Ed Harris and David Morris, like those two, like that group, the established group, they're consistent, they're loyal, they're even smart and empathetic and, and like you, you can connect with them more, but you're right. These hired mercenaries, the other guys, they knew what they were. They were that through that throughout. They were consistent. I agree. A hundred percent. So we have established then more or less that this is not an acting problem right 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 we didn't get it when you look back nobody phoned it in nobody half-assed their 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 acting job they did what they were paid to do which was to act the parts that that were written for them so now what does that leave us with (laughs) well if we know that the actors aren't the problem and we michael bay didn't act in this and the scriptwriters didn't act in this. Hmm. So are you very gently implying that perhaps this was a movie with a garbage script directed by a mid-to-none-talent director? Well, those are your words. Okay. I, I Again, I, there's some Michael Bay stuff that I really, really like. But we're not talking about some Michael Bay we're, stuff. We're not talking about that stuff. We're talking about The Rock. And The Rock, while I, I didn't dislike it, I didn't like it either. Like, it's just sort of there to me. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's as much as I can say. Like, at the end of the day... Are you saying the script it, it, might not have been it, good, though? I think that 
if you had a script doctor come in, sure, it could have been great. But the script as written and the, the, the script for the movie we watched was not good. Um, how about you're on a need-to-know basis and you don't need to know? <laughs> you know what? I'm really proud of that line. Let me put it in two more times. Yes. Yeah, or, or how many times are you going to tell me that's classified? And and what about mobile command? Is it set up yet? <laughs> oh, Jesus. But again, you know what this movie does have in spades? Is some great action shots. Great? It has some good action shots. It definitely has some action shots. It sure does. <laughs> I And for for all the shit I'm talking about, the third act was perfectly serviceable like i i i was locked in for that third act like i was like oh yeah cool this is where it's happening we're gonna get you know just sort of a constant flood of action and story together and it it, it did deliver in that third act um i well I loved... it did deliver your favorite line in the movie <laughs> <laughs> Not my favorite line in the movie, just my Nick my, my favorite Nicolas Cage line in the movie. Uh, Let's not mince words here. Uh, it is Nicolas Cage's only good line to me uh in the in the whole movie. Uh no, I, I thought that it, it was it, it was wonderfully shot the third act. I thought that it was uh, the the script actually sort of came together in the third act. Uh and you know, we got we got sort of what we paid for in the third act. So yeah, I was I was happy with that that portion of the movie. I got green smoke. <laughs> oh no. Green smoke. We have green smoke. Oh no, I fired. That was the second I thought it's funny that that penultimate moment of the movie before the final resolution of Nicolas Cage you know, dramatically slow motion coming out with the the flares and the whole Christ-like position holding them out, the savior of the, the hostages. Like, that shot should have been the number one iconic Michael Bay shot for the movie, but no, it was the shot of him in the middle of the, or near the end of that car chase when he gets out of the car and they do the slow motion pan and they have the trolley, which apparently was filled with 4,000 gallons of gasoline and a little <laughs> bit of, I don't know what kind of ordinance, because somehow when that tram bumped into another car at the bottom of the hill going 15 miles an hour, it exploded with the force that shot it 100 feet up in the air in a ball of fire. Like that shot was the ultimate Michael Bay shot of the movie. It was like the worst version of the trolley problem. Like you have a, a trolley that you could move on to one track and it'll explode up in the air or you can leave it on the same track and it'll explode up into the air, but it'll take another car with it. And, yeah. and, and the so driver. which one are we doing? <laughs> yeah. And the driver. Oh, by the way, needless or casualty. Conductor. I don't know. Well, no, but like you can see like nobody's on the tram. Like and, and even the, the tour guide guy like is running up 
That's what I meant. About the tram. Right. But and then he's he like, survives. Oh, he's, and he's so angry. And he's just going on screaming <laughs> like that, and yelling. Like and... that tram is coming out of his fucking paycheck. Yeah, my personal San Francisco tram. <laughs> it's been in my family for 400 years. My grandfather built this tram. Uh, oh, I mean, but man. who are we to say? We don't know the backstory. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I didn't read the novelization of The Rock, so... Uh, like it, it, it could very to, well have his his backstory in it. Who am I to criticize the really really well done uh, stylist role that they wrote into the movie for Sean Connery? Like how <laughs> how wonderful and brilliant and perfectly executed. And like, how can I question that? It was the '90s, you know. I don't know his backstory. Maybe he really is a very interesting character that we should care more about. And and maybe he really. You know, in the midst of seeing people murdered and almost murdered and being confronted by them in the elevator, he would just want to know whether or not he likes his haircut. Maybe that makes perfect sense. I'm, I might be, be I'm too harsh here. It could be. Um, I, I think that he... Uh, what do oh, we say goodness. to those fans of the Memory Distillery who vehemently and excitedly wanted us to watch this movie, who, assuming they still listen to us, are hearing us not tear apart, this movie that they love and are excited about but maybe don't have the most excited and wonderful uh review of it what do we say to them well i know what i'd say because i watched this on google play um i'm gonna need you to venmo me three dollars because that's what i spent on this movie thanks all right. Well, I mean, <laughs> again, that's, that's that's an interesting policy, but I, I it's it's recorded now. And we can't go back on it. No, can't. I will probably cut it out. Now we have to talk about the end of this movie. Yeah, I want to talk about this before we get into the the final questions. So we <laughs> <laughs> fucking we're on Alcatraz. Oh and man. Connery hands Nicolas Cage the little piece of paper and it has the the church in in Kansas or whatever. And so Nicolas Cage and his girlfriend go to Kansas and he's running out and like they're in the car and he's like you looking at the microfilm like, oh do you want which by the way, uh I I didn't un, I wasn't watching this with subtitles and my hearing is garbage. I didn't know that he was saying microfilm this whole time. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought that he was saying microphone. Like, why would why would they be looking for a microphone? But anyway, so he's looking at this microfilm and he says to his girlfriend, hey, want to know who killed John F. Kennedy? Or who really killed John F. Kennedy? I'm like, come on. That's what we fucking... That's Wait. what we stole from Jake or Hoover. That's what we're... I think now is the time for me to officially, officially roll out my Nicolas Cage impersonation. And get that line right. <clears throat> yes, please. Oh, here we go. Uh, honey, uh, you want to know who really killed JFK? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Perfection. That's Fuck. what you get, Nicolas Cage. That's the effort you get from me. When you deliver a line like that, that's what I give back. That's all you get. <laughs> Less than minimal effort. Oh, God. Honey. <laughs> Or do you want to know who really killed JFK? What the fuck was that? I'm, I'm melting. <laughs> it's hot in here. <laughs> did you 
<laughs> Did you were you exposed to VX? Is that why you're melted? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. Those crazy right. kids. Now I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing, knowing you and knowing what we have witnessed here in this movie that you wanted to come into this podcast with at least one or two questions tied to tangential matters that may be connected to The Rock, people who directed The Rock, or people in The Rock, or something to do with it. So in case we got stuck and felt like we might be getting too negative and needed a break <laughs> to branch away and have more discussion, just not only talking about this film, this concoction of David Weisberg and Douglas Cook... And gosh, actually, hold on, wait, let me use my computer. I think this movie has five writing credits. Jesus. They did have script doctors. What were you oh, no, doing? No. Were you no, all they, asleep at the wheel? They they have separate credits for the story and the screenplay. Oh, God. So, you know, I mean, that makes perfect sense. I, I really feel the story itself was amazing. And the screenplay was amazing, but when you combine them together, you're going to lose some important parts. <laughs> Missed the mark. I do have a question, as a matter of fact. I, I could even squeeze two out of this if we try real hard. <laughs> what is your favorite Michael Bay directed movie? Not my favorite movie that he started. Well, no, but he has other credits. He has producer credits and oh. stuff like that. So, Not my favorite movie that he starred as himself in. <laughs> Well, correct. Um, should I steal your answer or should I go with my answer? You should go with your answer, no matter All what, right. whether it's stealing mine or not. <laughs> I'm going to probably say The Island. Fuck you, goddammit, son of a bitch, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? You haven't even watched The Island. <laughs> whether that's true or not, <laughs> I claim... The Island as my favorite of his movies. Have you watched The Island for real? Of course I've watched The Island. That's got like Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson in it. Of course, yes. Okay. Is there an island? (sighs) Come on now. Yeah, they're like on an island at some point, I think. But that's beside the point. What's what's your favorite, Anthony? Jesus. Well, since you took the island, uh, I'll have to say bad boys. Yep, you're going to have to say bad boys. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. All right. uh, I will. uh, I'll, I'll throw one more question out there. This one will be more of a toughie because you really do have to sort of dig in to find... Uh, a a good one. Uh, favorite Nicolas Cage movie. Now, there's a lot out there, especially in well, recent years, thanks no, this uh, isn't... to his his tax issues. <laughs> yeah, well, now he, here's the thing: I can complain about Nicolas Cage a lot, but really, I've pretty much seen all of his movies. So, who's the real idiot here, anyway? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so yeah, so I think. It's that whole, like, you know, sometimes when, um, you know, like self-flagellation or when you feel that you have to punish yourself, you know, and really make yourself feel bad. What sin could you possibly have committed to watch all 105 
credited roles that Nicolas Cage has been in. Now, I didn't say I watched all of them. In fact, I've never seen Grand Isle that I guess came out last year. So <laughs> okay. that's something. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 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 pulling a, a an Anthony and looking at IMDb. So sue me, it happens. Like, <laughs> but there are exceptions. There are movies that he's a part of that I've absolutely loved. Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Okay, that was great, and I actually was perfectly fine with him voicing the noir Spider Man. That was great. That, that was that, that was pretty good, actually. That's right up there. So, what mm-hmm. about? Uh, so, I'll modify the question then a little bit. Starring roles. So you asked me like his favorite, my favorite performance your, of his. Your your favorite movie in which Nicolas Cage was oh, okay. a lead character. Whew. Okay, you're right. There are many somehow. Um, I would probably say, I'm not thinking too hard about this, but I'd probably say Adaptation. Oh, okay. That's a pretty good one. I mean, also very, very high up on the list, just for clarification, is, uh... Uh, what's the name of them? Raising Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Oh, naturally. Uh, I, <laughs> a, I was actually. Ridiculous sense. Yeah. I was going to like abstain from a, Raising Arizona simply because it's probably his best role, uh, <laughs> even being his earliest role or one of his earliest roles. Um, I think one of the ones that I liked the most was uh from Bringing Out the Dead. Hmm. I actually enjoyed the shit out of that movie. Yeah, that was one of those movies that just like the. The intense feeling of like sleeplessness and anxiety, and the the depth at which you see him throughout, like it was pretty intense. I have to admit. yeah. Uh, a close runner up, I think, would be oh, actually, uh, sorry, two runners up: Lord of War hmm. and uh, oh, Trapped in Paradise. If I had a second runner up, it would be Mandy. Mandy. Are you not familiar? Uh, no, because I haven't watched any film that Nicolas Cage has been in since, like, 2014. This is kind of over the top, like, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, there's no pretense here. It's, like, kind of a action horror kind of movie, but, like, yeah, I think you would be entertained, uh, by it it's it's really something i'll give it that okay okay uh oh correction 2011 i think was the last time that i watched a a the 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 last film role that he did that i actually watched uh 2011's uh drive angry yeah he's done about four thousand since then yeah so that's our show everyone thanks so much (laughs) for listening to us each and every week we distill new favorites from our past every monday so come and check us out and uh, we're going to continue on we have a couple more films left for our summer blockbuster series so make sure you're checking those out Uh, If you haven't listened to the others yet, go back and listen to them. They are uh, available right now wherever you listen to podcasts. And John's going to tell you some more stuff about what we have coming up. I sure am. Because, as most of you probably know on the Memory Distillery, I am friends with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. 
um, and that he, in the movie Moana, sang the song You're Welcome, amongst other things. But one thing he always has told me he regretted not doing is contributing to the music in our podcast. That was already taken by Semaphore when they allowed us to use the song Destroying the Evidence. Um, I'm sorry, Dwayne. I hope you can find a way to go forward with your career in one way or another. Um, but in the meantime, we'll ask all of our listeners to check out Semaphore. Um, and then as we continue on, uh, actually, we're heading towards the end of our summer blockbuster series, which is crazy to me because it feels like we just started this a few months ago. Oh, wait. Um, but we we do want you to write us to tell us M- about... Much like everything in COVID land, it feels like we started this months ago. Yeah, it's so hard to contemplate time right now, which is why we keep doing like Back to the Future and movies that make us feel okay that we don't know what year it is. Um, but we do want you to email us uh, at like uh, the memory distillery at gmail.com. We want you to write us uh, on Facebook and contribute your ideas and thoughts and feedback um, because we get all these ideas from you mostly. We want to feed it back to you. So you can follow us uh, on Twitter at TMDPod, uh, Instagram at TMDPod. Just find a way to connect with us, whatever makes sense for you, and let us know what you want us to do next, what's coming around the corner. I mean, the grand finale for the summer blockbuster series is going to be pretty exciting. I think you could all anticipate what the best summer blockbuster of all time is from my eyes, um, and that is what we'll be tackling next week. Um, But we do want to thank you guys for always being around and listening. It's a lot of fun. Uh, We enjoy tearing apart Nick Cage movies. And I mean, (laughs) this is the first time we've gotten to do it, but I'd be up to doing it again because they're all abominations. Listen to our new podcast, CageCast, coming up soon. And on that delightful note, I'd like to sign off. I'm John Deck. And I'm Anthony Verneri, and this has been the Memory Distillery. Stay classy, San Francisco. Oh. (laughs) Oh, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) It's a twist.